Great leaders should be remembered. They should be never missed. And I was like, what does that mean? And what it really means is getting to your point about, about legacy is if people miss me, I have not done my job well. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Vecina Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. Hello and welcome to the season finale of the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kai Jesus, and today I talk to Dr. Brian Price, director of the Vecina Leadership Institute, as we discuss my first year as podcast director and his final year as institute director. He's been on the show before. If you want to learn more, you can find him on the episodes 18 and 63, where he talks to previous podcast director Audrey Pennington. But today we're focused on what we've learned this past year in the Institute. I, I didn't know that this episode was going to happen. But what I didn't know was that I'd be talking to Dr. Price in this context. I know. I feel like I'm giving like the exit interview. I know. And something that I know that I've been dealing with because I'm the second podcast director is like this continuation of like legacy because I have to continue on Audrey's vision and like kind of make it my own. Sure. Are you afraid that part of your original vision is going to get lost when the new institute director comes in and what are you most afraid of losing you don't start off with softball questions dude. <laughs> that's a that's a big one um, <laughs> so here's how i would uh, how i would pitch it one is i am extremely proud of what we've been able to build and accomplish in the four years that we were here and i think i'm at the point in my career where i kind of understand whether or not i prefer the startup mentality and building things that are don't exist or whether I prefer the status quo maintainer, you know, keep things even keel. And I've learned a lot about myself that I am definitely the former and not the latter. I enjoy the climb, the journey. I think one of the phrases that I love that I saw in my elementary school, you know, like the billboards that are, are outside of schools, there was one outside of the billboard in my hometown of my Seagirt Elementary School, which I'm an alum and my daughter's going to right now, said that great leaders should never be missed. They should be remembered. Great leaders should be remembered. They should be never missed. And I was like, what does that mean? And what it really means is getting to your point about, about legacy is if people miss me, I have not done my job well right? It's okay if people remember me as the founding executive director of the Pacino Leadership Institute, but if they miss me, I haven't done my job well because I haven't built that framework for the legacy of this institution kind of moving forward. I'm going to go back to you on this one. What has been your biggest challenge as the podcast director since you've been in the saddle? That's a really good question because I there's a bunch of ways that I could take this, but I think I'll take it in like the artistic direction. And that is kind of defining what the podcast, it's called Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. And I've described it as every new word is like a new sucker punch. Like, okay, this is from this, this is a podcast from Seton Hall. All right. This is about undergraduates. There's a lot of undergraduate Seton Halls. Okay. It's about the leaders. Okay. It's a podcast. What does this all mean? 
And something that I really like going in, I knew there's one thing that I didn't want. And that's, I didn't want the same conversation to be brought up every time. And like, I guess like an example, few things that I'd be like, that I was afraid of was like, oh, talk about like networking, talking about like, I don't know, conflict or whatever. And like, I will admit some of my favorite episodes have been about networking, but this would be a very like uninteresting podcast if that's all we talked about. And I think defining what leadership is has been like, it's a hard part, but I personally see it as a very, very rewarding part because like I have tried to bring in different leaders from all different industries. One of my favorite episodes was the episode I did with Strix Beltran earlier last semester because I knew of my vision in that episode. I wanted to talk about I want to talk about diversity and the translation of leadership skills to interpersonal, like non-business, non-project, low-stakes projects where you're just like making friends. And I'd say that the hardest part is like making up new definitions every time. And I guess helping people find definitions for leadership, because whenever there's an interviewer on the episode, like they make up the questions. I'll like tell them like, hey, maybe word your question a little bit differently so you can get more out of the person. But otherwise, like they are also defining leadership with me. So that is the hardest part. But it is I love it. This is like it's my favorite. It's one of my favorite parts. So when you think about leadership and these multiple definitions, and I, and I concur with you, like it's brought on a very diverse group of individuals to talk about leadership. How does Kai define leadership? I'll try to put together a definition. Sure. I think leadership, being a leader is an action, not who you are. And anyone can be a leader. And a leader is someone that is able to synthesize the talents of everyone put in front of them to create the best product possible. And I think like, I've been thinking a lot about like leadership and like responsibility in like my entire time at Seton Hall. It's like a kind of recurring theme. I think honestly, like everyone should have leadership qualities but not everyone should be a leader or everyone should find their own tempo and when they should be a leader. Cause if you're a leader all the time you'll just burn yourself out. I'd like to go with a soft, an actual softball question. Yes, bring on your softballs. I've heard a lot about good memories of the Institute because we've worked together. We have like done spiels about what's cool about the Institute. And there's a lot of cool things with the Institute, but I want to know what your favorite memory of the Institute is. Oof, tough to pick one. I would say all of them are student success related, right? So like things that kind of come to mind immediately. Ashley Morales, who was our first ever keynote speaker in our first gala freshman year, told her story of her leadership journey, comes from an immigrant family, challenging times, a lot of moves, some unexpected twists and turns. I'll just leave it at that. And she just let me know, actually, at our gala, she got accepted into Columbia University's Master's of Social Work program. And so... Like, that is awesome. I think of people like Emmanuel Olatunde from Gambia, one of our students who was sitting in my office freshman year, not knowing first semester, not knowing if he had enough money, if his family had enough money to pay for his second semester. And he was staring at going back to Africa. And yet he perseveres, he finds a way. And 
he talks about his experiences going through Steve Adubato's masterclass and failing in a very important moment, which led to him really working on his public speaking and his interview skills. And we're proud to say that he's now going to be working for Bloomberg as a software engineer. These are all student related. I think back to my interview with Audrey Pennington. You know, I know we're doing a similar podcast as that. And that episode of hearing her talk about her journey. So to me, we talked about the definitions of leadership before. My definition of leadership boils down to one word, others. And so when you ask me about my proudest moments on here, I automatically go back to those moments of others. That's when you talk about legacy, that's legacy stuff. And that's what I'm really proud of. Right back at you. I'll throw two balls over the net at the same time. Proudest moment, podcast director. Worst moment. Let's talk about some of the ugly, the underbelly of the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. Okay, I'll start with the worst moment, and that is definitely Ooh. like, oh yeah, let's go start with bad news. I know that this year has not been amazing for me, and this is all like all personal life stuff. A lot of it is like bad in a funny sort of way. Like I'm in the process of finding a therapist right now, and I'm on my third therapist because the first two never showed up to their appointments. Um, they like literally like did not show up as you can imagine, very soul crushing, (laughs) but I'm going to take this in a very Bo Burnham route. Um, if you've ever heard of the, the show inside it like impossible, not, but I'll play along. Oh, you've not heard of about inside. Oh, it's like really like basically the premises for anyone else that doesn't know about inside is like, it's about the artist's struggle with like putting out content. And I think like something that like I've been like thinking about and I'm like coming up with this right now because like Love it. this is a lot of stuff that's been in my head for like ever because like on some level when you do a podcast part of the product involves putting yourself into it like this is the real Kai Desus I'm not like lying to you about who I am but like I'm putting myself in there it feels like I'm selling a part of myself there and sometimes I find it hard to differentiate me and my work and I know that this is a problem with like a lot of people that get into content creation and I know that I've been struggling with it since I was very young because like I started writing stories when I was 13 and I found it and I still find it hard to take critique I like to think that I'm getting better at it but I don't think I'm happy with the way that I take it and what's the challenge though is the challenge in creating the content or are you talking about the challenge of creating content that is authentic to you where you feel like You are your work. I think I'm, my work is always authentic, but that means if like, if it's less than perfect, that means I'm less than perfect. And I struggle a lot with perfectionism as is of a lot of people in the Institute. Probably. I think like if you have a leadership Institute without any perfectionists, then they're all probably liars because like, you know, the type of people that come to the Institute, there are a lot of driven people. And I think like, differentiating like me my work and like not being able to handle perfection especially because like when I edit episodes sometimes this is going to sound so vain but like the ability in which I can make an audio sound better is a little bit crazy to me it's like I can almost make it perfect like I can cut out I can cut out people's something so it looks like they haven't stumbled at all it's a symptom of the larger problem of perfectionism like do I cut out all the uhs the ums the word soups the things that the listeners probably don't want to hear but the things that make us human or do I like keep it in because like I can cut it it's not that hard for like someone on my side because like if you have like a little bit of audio training but like is it worth it 
And if I release a less than stellar episode, is it my fault? If I'm the interviewer, did I not prepare enough? Did I not ask enough questions? If I, if it's someone else, like, did I not direct them well enough? Sure. And I think like, that's like the hardest part that this is a very simplified version of a lot of things that like, I've been thinking a lot about. Well, I, a couple kind of things come to mind. If I was going to put on my coaching hat, I would say, <laughs> you know, you are not your performance. Yeah. Right. I've been trying so, to deal with that. Yeah. Like uh, it's important to separate your self-esteem and your identity from your performance. And by the way, if you are not pushing the envelope and doing those sorts of things and failing, you're probably not having that full human experience. Yeah. Uh, on your point about perfection, those sorts of things. I mean, I think it's perfectly fine to have high standards, but remember not no leader is perfect and we all have our own imperfections. And so I will say uh, several times and you'll probably save me from that in this podcast. So thank you ahead of time. But that's an interesting question, an interesting balance that you need to strike as a as a podcast director, for sure. Yeah, because like I know it like, yeah, I'm not perfect. I know that I'm human. But like for the listeners, I'm pointing to my heart. Does my heart know it? Yeah. But the best part. I love this job. I don't know if I really like express this to listeners. This <laughs> job is amazingly cool. Like I just sit down and talk to people for 30 minutes. I just get to do this job. This is like actually it. I'm like 21 and I get to do this. What? It's kind of unbelievable. I'll admit it. This is a job. And sometimes when you have a job, sometimes there are more boring parts. And sometimes it'll be like, oh, I have to do an interview. And then I'll do the interview. And it's like, yes. Oh my gosh, I'm doing an interview. This is so cool. I feel like everyone has something interesting to say and hearing what they have to say. That's the interesting part. Because sometimes I think you'll hear it. I forget which episode it was. Oh, it's the Lauren Snowden episode. And she mentioned that she had these like practice dummies for her students. And I was like, wait a second, let's put all the other questions on hold. I want to hear about these practice dummies. listening to these people's live stories. The fact that I have to put it into 30 minutes is hard, but editing me knows that editing more than 30 minutes is also going to be rough for me. So interviewer me is like, oh, I have to put all of this in 30 minutes. And so like, look, I think you have special. a special opportunity as the head of an initiative to really create content and experiment and make mistakes and do all those sorts of things. And it's it's funny because when I look back at the, start of our podcast, you know, we wanted to produce weekly content, which is challenging at the undergraduate level, especially if you're putting all that responsibility on the shoulders of folks like yourself. And I think the romanticism, the attraction is like, oh, it's going to be awesome. But I know how difficult it is to produce a weekly product and to do it at a high standard, which, you know, we have high standards on how we, we want to put stuff out. This is one of the two pieces of thought leadership that the Institute puts out on a regular basis. The other being our In the Lead magazine. But right now that's semi-annually and that's challenging. One question that I would kind of have for you is, what do you think you've learned about yourself in this period that you didn't know prior to? I think that it's just that I like people. (laughs) I like people like I like people a lot more than I thought I did because like I considered myself an introvert through a lot of middle school and high school. I think I was just socially awkward. On my Myers-Briggs test, I am an ENTP, which like further solidified the fact, but it's like, wow, like people are cool. Like (laughs) I love people. 
I also wanted to like know on the point of perfectionism, I do place a lot of the standard of being perfect too much of myself because I know this phenomena, especially with like my newest interviewers, where they will do a well-researched, good questions, but they'll like stumble a little bit or they'll have like a mistake because actually asking the questions, that's like public speaking. And that's not easy, especially when you have to depend on someone else for half of the content where like, I'll say 75% of the content because you're just asking the questions at that point, but they'll stumble a little bit. And then they'll turn to me after the guest leaves and they'll be like, wow, that must be the worst thing you've ever heard. And it's like, what are you talking about? No, it's good. You just stumbled a little bit. People will be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I stumbled so much. It seems bigger than it does to outsiders. Yeah, really. Especially because for those of you that don't know anything about audio editing, most of it is click, drag, click backspace. And obviously not to devalue the work of audio editing because like it is a lot more complicated than that. To delete an uh or an um or just delete you stumbling over a question, it's not as big of a people think it is when they're saying it out loud in the microphone. And I think... It makes me sad that sometimes that people think that they're putting out the quote unquote, the worst things I've ever seen because it really isn't. These are teenagers and they're doing, they're out here doing this. That's impressive. Agreed. Something that I want to like know about is that one of the headlining features of this institute is that there's not very many leadership institutes like it, not very many leadership institutes in general and making something completely new is not easy and there were probably many points where you didn't know who was going to come together when was the moment that you realized it was all going to come together idts Mm -hmm. so for the audience yeah for the audience that doesn't know in our freshman and sophomore spring semesters we split students up into interdisciplinary team projects for to execute over the course of a semester and they are 100 percent student-led And to me, the reason why I love those so much and why it's so unique is a couple perspectives. One is it's a real world problem. Oftentimes when you're working with students in the undergraduate level on a team project, let's say for a class project, you might meet once or twice and, you know, you say goodbye to each other. But for these interdisciplinary team projects, we have students that are interacting with each other for the entire course of a semester, in class, out of class, and they know they're going to see each other in the institute thereafter. So it's like a repeating game. The second thing is feedback. I just got off of doing a one-on-one session prior to jumping on this interview with several students in their feedback, and I'm able to give them raw, very authentic in some cases, difficult feedback on their performance based off of how their peers saw them. And that can be really, really challenging, but man, can it be powerful? And then the last component is experiential. You are getting such fantastic leadership development experience as a podcast director running this initiative and all the challenges that are associated with it. I've come to the conclusion that higher education isn't doing this enough. We have all these fantastic experiences for students to to practice leadership, but unless you are attaching feedback to those leadership experiences, in my opinion, those are wasted. So those are the kind of three areas, the real world component, the experiential nature of it, of actually practicing leadership as opposed to just talking about it, and maybe most important, the feedback that's associated with it. So to me, maybe 
the military academies are the only things that are kind of comparable to this four-year program, but it's unique. It's unique. For those of you following along at home at the Art of the Institute, that's the second semester. We just yeah. went through the first semester not knowing if like... Nope. Wow. The, the interesting story of how we even came up with them was feedback, right? I asked the students feedback from the first semester and our first class came back and said two things that were like patterns in their feedback to me. One was they felt like the program was too lecture-based and that they wanted to actually get their hands dirty, so to speak, when it came to leadership. They wanted to do leadership, not just talk about it. And then the second one was they wanted more interdisciplinary engagement. As you know, Kai, you're in the program. We have, you know, each class is about 70, 75-ish kids, and they come from 34 different majors. But yet when you bring people in a theater or an auditorium, it's like, going to the movies with a date, right? Like <laughs> you spend most of the time watching the movie as opposed to interacting with the person that you came with. So they wanted more interdisciplinary interaction. So I, over Christmas break, that first year, I said, let's put something together. And the thus was born interdisciplinary team projects. And over time, it just got better and better. As you know, sophomores get a chance to pitch their own ideas. Jason Santos is a fantastic example of this. Same thought, same thought. Jason Santos came up with an idea for his sophomore IDT that he pitched the entire class that he experienced himself. And he was a newbie sophomore, which means he entered the program sophomore year. And in the first week, he was told he had to go put on business formal for an event. He didn't have business formal attire. So he doesn't know what to do. He said he went down to Burlington. He... He was trying to pick up an entire suit, shirt, tie, everything for $50, which is a pipe dream, right? So with that story, he came up with the idea of, can we create a lending closet at the university for this? And it's so amazing how he came up with the idea. And then it just started to build up steam. We wrote an article that talked about his IDT. And in the article, we mentioned Burlington Coat Factory and Burlington was the ones that reached out to us and has given us over 300 articles of clothing for his project. So long story short, that whole project was the, you know, the idea was given birth as an IDT. Those of you listening at home, these are real projects. Like they like come out, there's an actual closet you can go to in the fall where you can get these clothes. This is not just like a, oh, and we'll forget about this project later. Like this is real. 500 pieces of clothing. Everything from blouses to pants to jackets to shirts to ties. It's amazing. So one more question on your end. All right. What's your favorite aspect of the Institute and why? It's experience. And for those of you that will never get the pleasure of seeing me at an event, my favorite thing to say is the experiences at Seton Hall are worth the tuition alone. They didn't pay me to say that. I just said that. <laughs> and <laughs> they don't pay me to say that. This is legitimate. Where else are you going to get the opportunity? An adult in the position of an majority is going to say to you, hey, just like do this. I'm going to completely trust you on this. And then like, I'll tell you how you're doing later. The creative freedom that you have from the IDTs to the podcast. Dr. Price, he passes along guests to me, but otherwise I formulate the rest of the episode or I pass along the responsibility of formulating the episode to someone else. That is not him at all. 
and even then like I choose a lot of the guests and this is just like an example from my perspective Jason Santos completely made that that idea of himself Dr. Price like he did help with with, like some extra things but with the logistics stuff with the actual making sorting that entire part yeah did not do that the other really impressive IDD IDT projects, like the initiatives to bring the Institute more together as a family, that is completely student-run. One of the extracurricular activities, Voice of a Leader, which seeks to show people how to do public speaking, all student-run, he will help out, which is like cool, but otherwise, there's no standard to meet. You can just do. And I think the idea of being able to just like get in there and then make a mistake, but not have it be forever that's extremely valuable this is my ad for Seton Hall you're not gonna get this anywhere else before I got into the institute I was between here and Fordham I didn't go to Fordham because it cost too much money and I was a little bit disappointed the institute's one of the reasons why I know that I would have been happier at Seton Hall than I would ever have been at Fordham legitimately and they did not pay me to say that well, it's funny because I remember when you took over the podcast and you had your own ideas about the intro, the outro, the music, the, you know, in- increasing the diversity of our guests on there. And also, I mean, how many times have you come to me with different ideas on podcast episodes of mixing it up? And you and I were together we're at the open house where you were interviewing prospective students, mm-hmm. like man on the street interviews. To me, like I could not have come up with those ideas. I I would not have come up with those ideas on my own. So to me, this is like where student initiative and student ambition matches with the opportunities. And my job as a leadership development facilitator is to provide that space for you to do that and then provide some guidelines and barriers so that, you know, you can test your envelope, but not you know, and if you screw up, I'll tell you, like, you know, look, there's been times when we've had the conversation of like, hey, the audio on that last episode was this or, yeah. you know, but that's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we get better. And I think one of the favorite parts that I've had in the Institute is being able to provide those opportunities for students and then watch people grow and think about how many amazing leaders we're going to be putting out to the world. Like we just have our first graduating class coming out now. But that's going to be a recurring thing. So that's a, that's probably what I'm kind of most proud about is in the military, we would say your soldiers are your credentials. And for me, you know, my resume is going to be the students that walk out of here out of this program. Can I swing one last question at you? I know you're, we're running sure, please. on time. What is one thing that you got from the Institute that you think you'll always take with you? Students never cease to impress me. Wow. Like, seriously you know, if you have high expectations for people, they will meet and often surpass them. So to me, students are, students are impressive. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. From my angle, see like student interviewers, the energy in the room, I'll shout out the selection committee with hosted by Risha Shaw, the energy in the room, like, yeah, lives are excellent. It's like, wow. It, it feels like it should take years and decades of practice to get this charismatic and good at this but no you're teenager 20 the freshman idt presentations that we just saw the past two weeks are some of the best presentations i've seen at the collegiate level yeah and they're they're freshmen super super polished yeah so anyways i I know we're 
about out of time here, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, pick your brain and uh, you pick mine. On behalf of everyone at the Posita Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU for allowing us to use their facilities and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership, on Instagram at Bacino Leaders, and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.